Prayer is the most powerful thing we can do in our days, but all too often it gets drowned out by the noise around us. But what if the noise in our earbuds could help us tune out the noise of the world and instead tune in to our most important conversation? That's why we're here, to bring you inspiring conversations, practical how-tos, and guided prayers to help you pray like you never thought possible. I'm Valerie Warner, and this is Prayer in a Noisy World. Our whole family was down with COVID the last two weeks, so while we've got some fun episodes ahead on the podcast, this week we wanted to share a chapter from my book, Pray Confidently and Consistently, All on Lament. Do you feel like the heavy things in life or even just the first world problems you face each day are too much to burden God with? Do you feel like it's inappropriate to come to the Lord with your complaints? It's entirely possible that not sharing these things with the Lord is holding us back from a genuine and deep conversation with the Lord. Now let's talk about the weights of facades and discover how we can approach the Lord with all of our hurts without treating him like a faceless complaint department. Chapter 6 You love that whiner David? Learning to lament, doubt, and cry out to God. I am a great complainer. You can ask my husband or my sister, and you can most definitely ask my mom. I know how to take things that are not at all pointed in my direction, bend them like a spoon with my mind, and make them about me. But complain to God? I would never. Why would I? How could I? How tacky? How classless? How much like David, the man after God's own heart? In the Psalms, we get an inside look into the prayers of David, and it's not what we would expect from a man after God's own heart. We see lots of lamenting and why God passages. One of the hardest ideas for me to grasp about prayer is that God wants me to come to Him with every complaint, doubt, or lament. Are we sure God wants to hear this? Didn't the Israelites get in trouble for grumbling and complaining? Yep, God saved them from slavery in Egypt and helped them cross the Red Sea and get away from the Egyptian army. But the Israelites seemed to forget all of that as soon as their stomachs started growling. In Exodus chapter 16, verses 2 and 3, we read, And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full, for you have brought us into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Later in the chapter, Moses responds, When the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, because the Lord has heard your grumbling that you grumble against him, what are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. Verse 8. The problem wasn't what the Israelites felt as much as who they directed the complaints to. The complaints were not about Moses. They were about God and His provision for them. Yet they weren't directed to God. In addition, these weren't just complaints about the way things had turned out. They were huge assumptions about God and His faithfulness to them. This was a long way from honestly bringing their concerns to the Lord. Somewhere along the way, we got the impression that we need to clean ourselves up before we come to God. We're sure that He doesn't want to see our doubts or hear us complain. And while it's true that God longs to see us have full faith in Him and gratitude for everything we've been given, it doesn't mean the answer is to attempt to hide anything from God. Of course, nothing is actually hidden from Him. 
but attempting to seal off the closet of complaints from his sight will negatively impact our own hearts. This is the weight of facades. We miss out on intimacy and knowing we are fully known and loved by God when we make it look like we have it all together. Before I met my husband, I remember trying to fathom having someone know all my quirks. You know, like that weird habit you have when you eat, the odd thing you do in your sleep, or that dumb show you're obsessed with. It felt strange to picture being so incredibly known. Up until that point, it was easy for me to show the very best sides of myself to everyone outside of my family. I didn't even need social media to have a highlight reel. I just put my best foot forward and knew what skeletons to tuck away in the closet. The thing is, when someone sees all your quirks and bad habits and sticks with you, it deepens the intimacy because you know how fully loved you are. Ten years into marriage, I know I'm not going to scare Tyler off with the real me because he sees it every day. We've already committed to unconditional love, and we didn't base that decision on the assumption that we'd both be perfect and never annoy each other. The idea that I could accidentally show Tyler too much tomorrow doesn't even compute. Now, let's put this in perspective with our prayer lives. God loves us unconditionally, but how can we fully enjoy His unconditional love if we think it has conditions, like never uttering a complaint or only showing our good sides? How can we develop intimacy with God if we're always withholding the parts we think He won't like? We simply can't. And the solution isn't going to be that we should never have doubts or things to complain about. We just have to decide what to do with those thoughts before they even come, and how to bring them to God honestly. Why we complain I cannot tell you the number of times Tyler and I have told our girls, we're going to insert place we know they'll like, and they've responded with panic or complaints, having no idea what good things were in store. We were patient because we knew they didn't understand. We may have even sat there anticipating the moment when they'd fully understand what we were about to enjoy and they'd change their minds. God formed our minds. He's well aware of how much we know as well as what we don't know. That unknown is sure to lead to all sorts of questions and even some complaints that come from not fully understanding. This doesn't shock God. I think he responds with patience, much as we do with our kids, knowing that their understanding is limited. If I can simplify the main reason we complain, here it is. We complain because we don't see the full picture. If we did see everything, I think we'd agree with God's plan, but instead we just see a snippet. We ache as we feel the pain in our own lives. Lives that feel like it's all we have because we can't imagine how they fit into the larger picture of eternity. Remember when you were young and each birthday felt monumental? You could tell someone how old you were before they even finished asking the question. When adults told me they couldn't remember how old they were, I thought my brain must be way better than theirs because that would never happen to me. Today's my husband's birthday, and just this morning I had to do the math. Is he only 35? Wait, no. I think I've been saying he's 35 for months now. I just turned 36 and I'm a year older. Or is it just two weeks? Okay, he was born in 1985 and it's 2020. So 2020 minus 1985 is, yep, he's 35. I'm pretty sure. The more time we experience or the more years we stack on one another, the easier it is to forget the details. 
Things that once felt enormous shrink as the span of our life grows. Imagine God, who is outside of time, trying to get us humans, who know only an 80-year lifespan, to understand the hope we have in hard seasons. We cannot fathom it because we can't see beyond what's happening in our lives right now. And because we're stuck here, we hurt, we complain. So how do we make sure the moments of grief and doubt resemble David's lament and not the Israelites complaining? Here are four essentials that lead to healthy, God-honoring lament. 1. Go directly to God. We've already said it, but who we take our complaint to matters. You might feel like you've got things under control. God's got so much going on, and you hate to be a bother. Surely a complaint about that beach trip you saved up for all year that starts tomorrow and now has an 80% chance of thunderstorms the entire week is a first world problem. Okay, that was me this week and it wasn't thunderstorms, it was a hurricane. You heard about that earlier. I wouldn't think to vent to God about something like this when people are starving around the world, natural disasters are all over the news, and social unrest is at an all-time high. Absolutely not. I would, however, feel perfectly comfortable complaining to my mom and sister, and then complaining some more when we find out last minute that the lazy river by our rental condo will be under construction and there will be men on our balcony repairing things. I'll protect God from all my nonsense— It just feels too petty for God. This is me completely missing the point of lament prayers. And while I cannot stress enough that this is very much a first world problem, it's still something I need to take to God. Why? Because my complaints don't stay neatly tucked away in my soul. They fester. They affect my faith. They manifest and move outward, changing my conversations with others. And all this because I feel like it's inappropriate to let God know I have frustrations or doubts. It's faulty logic when I think about it. I can't hide my feelings from Him. But for some reason, I think I can still control what God sees of me. Before we get too far into this topic, I need to clarify something. God doesn't love complaints. God doesn't love whining and ungratefulness. He's not waiting with popcorn to hear us spill the tea about what's bothering us today. He's waiting to change our hearts. God knows that any hope of transforming our complaints and whines into heart-changing laments is going to come in His presence. If we want gratitude and faith to replace the entitlement or doubts in our hearts, it will only happen when we take these things to the One who created those hearts. When I bring my hurts to God— I'm not lodging them with some faceless department employee. I'm not lodging them with some faceless department employee who takes down my name to appease me. I'm bringing my issues to the person who cares to fix them and can fix them. Not just my situation. In fact, rarely does the answer involve fixing my situation. More often, it involves fixing my heart. Lamenting to God shows that you know He's the one who can do something with your concerns. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. As I sent Reggie texts to my mom and sister about my vacation problems, 
I realized I was somehow assuming they could solve this. Voicing those frustrations to my mom and sister revealed who I thought could help. When you go to God with your frustrations, it's the same thing. And that's actually kind of beautiful. We aren't hopping on the phone with three different friends to vent in order to make ourselves feel better. We're taking our concerns straight to the one who's in control. And we're opening ourselves up to being changed by Him. Are you enjoying this chapter of Pray Confidently and Consistently? Grab your copy of the book on Amazon or get a signed copy in our shop at valmariepaper.com. In the book, we'll dive into 14 other weights that could be holding you back from your most important conversation. Now let's get back to the chapter. 2. Acknowledge your pain. David gets brutally honest with God in many of the Psalms. Here's a sampling. My sighing is not hidden from you. Psalm 38 verse 9. That's not too bad. Awake, why are you sleeping, O Lord? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face? Why do you forget our affliction and oppression? For our soul is bowed down to the dust. Our belly clings to the ground. Rise up, come to our help. Redeem us for the sake of your steadfast love. Psalm 44, verses 23 through 26. This is getting uncomfortable. I am weary with moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with my weeping. My eyes waste away because of grief. It grows weak because of all my foes. Psalm 6, verses 6 and 7. What? Drench my couch with weeping? These words come from a man full of faith who shared a deep intimacy with the Lord. He still sighed. He still sulked. He still wept and grieved. He felt every emotion and didn't discount any of them. He didn't stuff down his complaints so they could burst forth in a less appropriate way one day. Ironically, it's the lowest points of our lives that force us to get on our knees. When we hit rock bottom, we find ourselves in the prime spot to pray. Honest prayers are birthed in the hard places where we have no more dignity to protect and can't hide the mess we're in. It's like when a child does her best to hide a messy room by barring the doorway with her lanky 60-pound body. She can't hide a thing, and it's too obvious for her to even pretend she can. So the facades come off. The filter is gone. We stop behaving well, hoping for a favorable response. We're finally being authentic. You might be wrestling with lots of doubts at the moment. Maybe there's sin you keep buried in the closet and have yet to confess. Or perhaps you're grieving and angry at God. Prayer may feel impossible, but you're in a better spot than you think. You have nothing to offer, but that's always been true. It's just more visible now. Get real with the Lord, as David did. He let it all out in the healthiest way possible. Until we do this, we'll create a block between us and God. Our prayers take an unintentionally phony tone when we leave out the giant gaping wound we're carrying. God can handle the details. If you're worried about offending God, remember that He is the most sympathetic being in the universe. We're trained to believe that we can offend God just as we can offend another human being. But God is no snowflake. He will not be mocked. But coming humbly to the Lord with hurts and doubts is not mockery. It's honesty. 3. Make your request. While David might be one of the most well-known lamenters of the Bible, 
Joshua had an inspiring lament story too. God had been leading his people into the promised land, going before them and helping them defeat the Canaanites. But when the Israelites were routed in battle at the city of Ai, the people were filled with fear. Joshua chapter 7 verses 7 through 9 say, And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all, to give us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? Would that we have been content to dwell beyond the Jordan. O Lord, what can I say when Israel has turned their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear of it and will surround us and cut off our name from the earth. And what will you do for your great name? Joshua was open about his confusion and anguish. Why was God abandoning his people now? But then God told him there was more to the story. Joshua chapter 7 verses 10 through 13. The Lord said to Joshua, Get up, why have you fallen on your face? Israel has sinned. They have transgressed my covenant that I commanded them. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen and lied and put them among their belongings. Therefore, the people of Israel cannot stand before their enemies. They turn their backs before their enemies because they have become devoted for destruction. I will be with you no more unless you destroy the devoted things from among you. Get up, consecrate the people, and say, Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. For thus says the Lord, God of Israel, There are devoted things in your midst, O Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the devoted things from among you. I can't help but wonder what would have happened if Joshua had gone to the other leaders and said, Why is God doing this? I don't get it. What do we do now? They might have all shared in his fear and confusion, but no one would have had the answer. Make your request known to God and listen for his answer. Don't assume that if he wanted to give you relief, blessing, or freedom from the struggle, he would have already done it. Our God gives good gifts to his children, as we've seen in Matthew chapter 7, verse 11, but he also tells us to ask for them. Do you have doubts? Give them to him. Tell him God's not trying to hide truth from you that's necessary for your faith to grow. He longs for you to know him. Ask him to help you see him. If Joshua hadn't lamented to God, he might have never known the problem. Instead, after the people dealt with it and returned to following God's ways, God helped them return to I in victory. What if Joshua had been afraid of sounding upset to God, or had assumed he should figure this out on his own? How different could this situation have looked? I have no doubt that God's plans are sovereign, and he would still have found a way for the Israelites to return to him and take the land, but how cool that Joshua got to hear directly from God. I wonder what we miss out on when we're so afraid to ask God something that involves our tears and lament. 4. Praise well When we complain to anyone besides God, our experience is hopeless and defeated. But when we lament to God, we get out of our personal reality and get into God's. We remind ourselves of the truth and the hope we have in Jesus. This is why praise is a necessary part of lament. When I come to God about a problem in my heart, I'm saying, I don't want to feel this way, but this is the reality. I don't want to have so much pride 
that I try to hide this from you. I know you're good, you're powerful, and you know best. I praise you because you're the best thing in my life, no matter what is happening. Again, I don't think God tells us to come to him with all our drama and lament because he loves it, but because he loves us. He rightly knows he's the one who can redeem all our complaints and comfort us in our laments. He loves our being real. He loves what happens when we stop putting up a wall. He loves what happens when we stop putting up a wall of pretense and instead fall in his arms because we're no longer hiding our real selves. Selah. We won't find the hope of Jesus while we're licking our wounds in a corner by ourselves. I want to say praise is the final destination, but much like David in Psalm 13 and many other psalms, we'll seesaw back and forth from lament to praise. We'll need to keep reminding ourselves of truth. In those psalm verses when David talks about the fact that he can trust God, I don't think he quickly got over his tears. I don't think he was suddenly good with his problems. It's like he was reminding himself of the truth, the things he knew in his mind but had to remind his heart of. We need to remember that lament is a messy process. Just because we fall back into doubt or laments or grief or tears doesn't mean things are hopeless. One day, as I was driving on the interstate, grieving the loss of an opportunity for our business, I burst into tears. Lyrics came to mind, and I sang them through tears of sadness. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. I knew those words were true, but I still hurt. I still felt sadness, but I also felt hope in the truth about God that remained no matter what I was facing in the moment. You have that hope too. Don't be afraid of your hurts and doubts. Don't be afraid of your frustrations with God. Take them to Him. That's the most important part to remember. Our doubts must not cause us to neglect prayer. If they do, we'll experience a weight in our prayer lives that God never asked us to carry. Release that weight and grab hold instead of the God who loves us so unconditionally that David, the notoriously dramatic prayer, could be called the man after God's own heart and could experience such intimacy with God. When we throw off the weight of facades and come to God with our complaints and laments, we realize we are fully known and loved by God. Reflect. Can you think of anything you need to grieve over in the presence of the Lord? What does it look like to release your complaints to Him so they don't fester? When you're in the midst of suffering, what truth do you need to recall about eternity that would expand the praise you offer? Read Psalm 102, verses 1 and 2. Matthew, chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Psalm 130. And Psalm 142, verses 1 and 2. I hope you enjoyed this bonus episode. Get a copy of Pray Confidently and Consistently and walk through topics like listening, expectations, fasting, and more. And join us next week as we dive into the topic of intercessory prayer.